Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics. You can find me most active on Instagram at jakeparker.fit if you want to connect or just see what I'm up to. Hi guys, welcome to the Beyond Fit podcast. This is Jake again, last week here for a little bit of these solo podcasts. This will be the third one in a row. First one was a random show. Second one was about 15 foods I eat every week. And today I wanted to throw together another random show. There's been quite a few topics I've been bouncing around either in the past or recently that I've been wanting to talk about that I think can be beneficial to you guys listening and you know anyone else that you have conversations with about fitness or troubles, opportunities in life and stuff like that. So after this week's podcast, I have some cool guests coming on soon and I will let you know who those are at some point on Instagram, but really excited for some of the podcasts I have coming up some old friends that have been on the show before, some people that are new, some topics that are kind of new. So stay tuned for that. But into this random show we go, there is six different topics I wanted to touch on today. So if you, again, at any point have questions or want to further discuss any of this stuff with me, I'm always more than happy to have a conversation and Really, I encourage it because it helps me to more understand what you guys want to hear and the stuff that you're curious about. And this show is really about helping people at the end of the day. So the first topic here is three things good workout programs have in common. The first thing they have in common is that they allow you to progress in some way. So they have progress built in. The easiest way and the way that I usually talk about is in the gym, weightlifting specifically, just going up in your lifts. There's like going up in weight. There's going up in repetitions. If you're someone who's still stuck working out at home or don't have access to weights or whatever, always know that you can go up in repetitions in your bodyweight exercises or whatever it is that you're doing. In addition, you can also increase the difficulty. That is another method of progress. So maybe you go from, for an example, push-ups on the ground or on your knees to push-ups where your feet are elevated that makes them a little bit tougher and stuff like that just always trying to make it a little harder trying to get a little better trying to sharpen your saw this not only is necessary to make changes in our body to get the body composition we're looking for become more aesthetic become stronger become just more fit in general but it also is what keeps us interested which brings me into the next point you want to allow for consistency in some way. You want your program to have something that keeps you consistent. So the two biggest things here are besides having something you're progressing towards. And again, progress can take on many forms. I wanted to also say that progress can mean something like, say you're a runner and you're trying to get a better mile time or a better, say maybe you run a three mile loop around your house or something that you want to improve your time on. There's lots of ways to make progress. And if you are a weightlifter or doing some sort of resistance training, even modifying tempo, modifying range of motion, 
are also ways to improve. So in addition to staying consistent by emphasizing progression to keep you interested, you want to make sure that your workout isn't too hard. This is a conversation that I've had and a lot of times it surprises people, but I want everyone to understand that your workouts don't have to be hard, don't have to be exhausting, don't have to leave you just crushed. You know, like people love to say, oh, you know, I just, I went to the gym today and I was just crushed or this is, this is a big reason why people are drawn towards things like CrossFit and group classes that are really cardiovascularly intense and stuff like that. And yeah, sometimes I am the type of person that likes to get a really, really hard, difficult workout in because it's kind of good to clear the mind and sort of help with self-esteem and confidence and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes you aren't really feeling it and you're going to go to the gym and you're not going to have your best workout. But just knowing that being consistent, whether it's I want to work out three days a week, four days a week, I want to work out, you know, however it is that you format your schedule, understand that it doesn't have to be a super hard workout every time. And on top of that, if you're really working out that hard, there's a chance that you could be under recovered. So you want to make sure that a lot of times in bodybuilding or weightlifting strength training, they say things like an eight RPE or an eight RIR which means rate of perceived exertion on the latter and reps in reserve on the former. So if you are, this is basically like an out of an eight out of 10 scale. So I want to leave two reps in reserve if I'm going to eight out of 10, or I want to see my perceived exertion as an eight out of 10 level, not a 10 out of 10 where you're completely going to the max. And that's going to help you recover more. It's going to help keep you interested and engaged and wanting to go back to the gym because at the end of the day, you know, of course, there's going to be those days you don't want to go. But overall, you should enjoy your routine. It should be something that you look forward to. So that's a big thing there. I often talk about how I walk. I think that another thing people look at is, oh, I got to run, you know, I got to run to get in shape. And running is not necessarily any better for you than walking as far as getting in better shape. Again, maybe you just enjoy it. It's mentally satisfying to you or mind clearing. But I don't want you like I have done in the past to get too attached to the difficulty of your workout outright. Um, so a little bit more on that cardio and running component here uh, in a second. But the other part I wanted to mention about allowing consistency is that you want to, and like I kind of already touched on this, but you want to enjoy your workouts. So for me, I think that enjoyment is found in progress. So going back to that first point, but also just not always having to do the completely optimal thing in the gym. Oh, I got to do this exercise because it's the best, or I got to do this, this, or that. You don't ever have to do anything. You should do what you enjoy, and there should be an element of fun in the gym if you're doing things right. So the second point is consistency, and the third is there should be some element of resistance or strength training. I know a lot of people in their workout program, it might just be cardio. It might just be running or swimming or biking and doing something is always better than doing nothing. Definitely. But the problem, if you're really focused on your body composition and being healthy and fit is a lot of people that don't have a strength training or resistance training element aren't going, are going to be missing out because you're really just focusing on that burning of the calories and getting in better, better cardiovascular endurance. And you're missing out on building muscle which is number one, going to help you just be more functional in your day-to-day -day life. And number two, building muscle is going to allow you to consume more calories and also avoid that skinny fat that a lot of runners may be familiar with because 
you are burning tons of calories and so your body tries to become more efficient at that but at the same time you're not prioritizing any strength or muscle building so you are not not having a lot of muscle and having some muscle on the body is the best way to optimize body composition now you don't have to become a bodybuilder or be in the gym lifting weights three four times a week once or twice is more than fine to go lift weights or if you're doing something at home do some bodyweight exercises but just make sure that you combine some form of resistance training with whatever sort of workout program that you follow. Those are the three things that good workout programs have in common. The second point I wanted to talk on here in this random show is some habits that I never compromise on. So I'm talking about habits a lot. There's been podcasts I've put out about my habits, habits I aspire to, habits that I've made pretty intuitive and second nature, but I do struggle sometimes with habits that sometimes I'll get going really good on and then sometimes I'll falter off on. Like I try to network with people I want to have my podcast or have been on my podcast. I try to implement cold showers into every morning. I try to do other things like, well, meditation is a good example of something in the past year or so I've really finally got to nail down because I just started doing it first thing every morning. I guess a theme there is if there's some sort of habit you really want to inculcate in your life, you have to make sure that it's done either at the beginning of the day or the end of the day. Because for me, those are the two times when you finally get to relieve some distraction from whatever it is you do during the day. And that's why it's most efficient to get those really important habits in at the beginning or end of the day. Maybe your life is a little bit different and you find some time to do your habits every day, but I think that that's the best way to remain consistent. Um, but the habits I've come to never compromise on, and part of this is goes back to something that Stephen Pressfield said about the resistance when we did our podcast together, and that was that when I asked him why maybe it's easier for me to go and exercise every day and lift weights and stay in the gym so consistently, but another habit that I would like to incorporate in my life, writing, on a daily basis is a lot difficult, a lot more difficult for me and something I face more resistance towards. And he essentially just said, you know, you haven't worked on it long enough to make it become a habit. The longer we try things and do things and habituate them into our lives, the easier they become and the more second nature they become. So something that might be difficult for you at first, like cooking healthy meals daily or exercising, eventually will just become a part of who you are. And you'll hopefully get to the point where I'm at with some of these habits where it feels less natural and more difficult to not do some of these things than to do them just because they're so much of a part of who I am and what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. The first one here is cooking nutritious food and also I would include tracking food into that. It's pretty much intuitive for the most part at this point but I definitely am knowing how many calories I'm eating if I'm in a period of wanting to lose weight, gain weight, or just pretty much hang out where I'm at. So whether I'm bulking, trying to gain some muscle, cutting, trying to lose some fat, or just sticking at maintenance calories, I have a good grasp on what that takes for me. And so it's not like I'm counting every gram of food like maybe I've done in the past, but I have a good idea of where I'm going with that. And another aspect here, I talked about optimizing environment in my recent random show. And that's another area where the cooking and eating of healthy food is done easier and made easier for me because I just keep that sort of stuff all around my house. I don't buy unhealthy foods to have in my kitchen at my disposal. 
I will treat myself multiple times a week. I don't have a problem with that, but I try not to have just things laying around that I can just snack on. I try to be very intentional having two, three, four meals a day, depending on my goals and not just having a bunch of temptations everywhere. And knowing that because I prioritize not only healthy eating, but also a healthy budget that I'm going to have these healthy foods at my house and I'm going to eat them. And that's just the way it goes around here. And it's really a solid habit that I've built. So the second one going off of that budgeting sort of principle that I mentioned, I'm always tracking my spending and I'm always budgeting every month. So this is a podcast that I want to put out in the next couple of weeks about budgeting. Um, but essentially I track all the things that I buy by every time I make a purchase, I just write it down on this note in my phone that says all expenses for X month. So like for August right now, and for me, it might seem silly and unnecessary to do this, to write down everything that you buy. But for me, it's kind of like tracking food in the, in the sense that tracking food and thinking about what you're eating is not necessarily about the numbers and hitting certain numbers so much as it is about being aware and knowing what you're doing and knowing why you're doing it. So it helps me to slow down, not make unnecessary purchases. And then at the end of the month, I'll reconcile all the things that I've written down that I've bought with my credit and debit card statements, see, that, see if there's any inconsistencies, and then make sure that I write down everything uh, into my Excel budget, seeing that my income and out, I guess outcome isn't necessarily a word, but my spending is proportionate with my income. And then if it's not, thinking about what steps to take, things I could possibly cut, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But that's something I'll go into in a podcast here soon. So be on the lookout for that. I never compromise on reading. I do this by reading. First of all, like I said, first thing in the morning, because I think that those most important habits are the things you do first thing or last thing. I do also read at night, but I will get out a book right away after getting up in the morning and doing a couple of things like making my bed and getting hydrated, drinking a big glass of water which are also habits I don't compromise on. And I will read for a half hour to an hour. And then I'll also read before I go to bed, usually not for as long because I lay down and I get tired pretty quickly. But I also try to read during my downtime and not just let my downtime be free time for social media, TV, stuff like that, that isn't going to benefit me in the long term. So yeah, uh, additionally mentioned in there, just staying hydrated and making my bed. I feel like making my bed is the first thing I do every day when I wake up. And it really sets a good tone for the day. And that's a really good habit to get into as far as just being productive, being self-disciplined. And the water aspect, drinking that first thing in the morning is a reminder to stay hydrated throughout the day. And also just it's always been a good habit of mine to stay hydrated ever since I started lifting weights at about 14, 15, because I'd always heard that that was important. And I've just done it for so long that it's pretty easy for me. But... Um, another aspect of that is if you struggle with this, you can try something along the lines of oh, a hydration goal. I drink this many glasses a day. I drink this entire gallon a day, yada, 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 something like that. So um, the last couple of habits I wanted to mention, which are going to roll into something else here. I work out consistently. That's always been a habit that has been pretty autopilot for me. Um, The way that I make sure I have time is I will schedule workouts into my week. My week to week schedule varies quite a bit, but
but I know that when I'm making my schedule um, for the be- at the beginning of the week or on Sunday like I do, I am going to schedule three to four, maybe five workouts if I'm really trying to get my volume up at a certain point. So making that something that's just in my calendar makes it a lot easier. And I don't have to fight the resistance or the um, focus on willpower to get that going and get into the gym. It's just a part of what I do. I follow my schedule really closely and that's a part of it. The last habit I never compromise on is limiting my social media usage. So something else I've talked about before is I don't get on social media or my phone pretty much at all if I can help it for the last half hour to hour of my day and also the first half hour to hour or even longer of my day. And I feel like it's a really good way to be conscious of your own thoughts and feelings and kind of simmer down at the end of the day or be able to start off the day right, not start it off on a negative note. Because you know, if you reach right for your phone, you can see a stressful text messages, bill notice, email, whatever it is. It's really helpful to start your morning slow. I especially recommend this in the morning. We start your morning slow, start out on your terms. Don't let your phone take that stillness away from you. And specifically, social media is important to stay off of because the essentially the next topic I wanted to bring up was how social media works. I don't think a lot of people understand how powerful it is and why I try to be so calculated in spending time away from it, logging off, only being on for so long during the day. And that's because, okay, so social media is free. Yes, but what you do is you pay for social media with your time and with your attention. These companies are publicly traded companies that their goal is to make money. How do they make money? They keep us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram longer. And now I don't want this to be all negative on social media. I definitely am positive on social media. It's a big part of how I talk about my podcast and the different things I'm doing with my health and fitness goals and that kind of stuff. But I think that people need to be a lot more careful. The average person is not careful with how they spend their social media time. And I think that the stat goes, there's over 3 billion people in the world that spend two plus hours on social media a day. And that's just not okay. That's not helping us. That's helping only the drug companies that are benefiting from us being depressed and anxious and sad. And so I think it's really, really important for people to realize that these, these companies are just that they're companies. Yes, this is a fun thing and a good way to connect, but the business model of social media is to keep you on for as long as possible. So don't try, try as, as hard as you can not to fall into that. Some ways that I do that is I've talked before about how I don't allow any notifications on my phone for social media. because that's an easy way to, Oh, looks, I got a, I got a message from this group. So I'm going to go look at it and then I'll get right off. But then what always happens, we end up spending a half hour on social media scrolling that we didn't even mean to. So you be the decider, you decide when you're going to use it and use it and get off, log off, set a time limit. If you have to set your timer for 10 minutes and then get off stuff like that can be really helpful. And then in addition, you got to follow, sorry, unfollow people that don't bring you joy or that are negative, bringing you down. People want to talk, especially this is why I got rid of Facebook because people want to talk so negatively, talk shit, talk bad about things, talk about how doom and gloom the world is. And there's plenty of that right now. Don't get me wrong. There's also plenty of positive to focus on. And I think that if you follow the right people and unfollow the people that are uninspiring and are dragging you down, it's going to help you from feeling that anger, that emotion of jealousy and sadness. And speaking of jealousy, that's another one of the big emotions that is prevalent in social media. You see other people's lives. And what's also important to remember is that 
people's lives on social media are not a direct reflection of their actual life, what's going on in their day to day. So you know that about yourself. So why would you believe that about somebody else? Some of this stuff really seems obvious when you break it down, but our brain plays tricks on us. It's not really built for this constant social media battering of the brain. So these are just a lot of reasons to be careful and to help you understand what social media is, who are the drivers behind it. It's again, it's advertising, it's revenue, it's making money off you, not with necessarily dollars at a certain point, but with your time and with your attention. And so just be careful with that. The other thing I wanted to mention along the lines of depression and anxiety, two things that I mentioned are something that I've gone back and forth a lot, and that is antidepressants, SSRIs, they're often called serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And I have talked to a lot of people about these, about the benefits and about the, not necessarily detriments, but the downsides, the negative effects, the side effects, stuff like that. So I've been on SSRIs in the past and have come to wean myself off. But I think that there's an important caveat because you have to know that these sort of things, these feelings of depression and anxiety, first of all, you should try to address them not only with drugs, if that's what the route you're going to go, but also with other holistic principles, like try something like meditating. If you don't like that, something that's going to make you more mindful, doing something that you enjoy, like painting or playing an instrument or something like that, something that's going to give your mind something to focus on. And it's a lot of these sort of mindfulness activities are very therapeutic in that way. Make sure that you're working out enough. A lot of times I know that doctors will before or during prescription of an antidepressant encourage patients to work out just because of all the positive chemicals that are released when we work out. So making sure that you're integrating holistic principles and solutions to your perceived problem Maybe that's developing other models of thinking that a counselor or someone can help you with, or maybe a trusted family member. Um, in addition, you want to be careful because I think that, again, I talked about the fact that pharmaceuticals and doctors and people, they benefit from us taking this sort of stuff. And so a lot of times subconsciously, even maybe they want us to stay on drugs, but what we need is to become self-sufficient individuals that are not relying on any drugs, that have these holistic practices. And that being said, I'm someone who's been on these drugs and I think that they're really helpful to help you through a hard time, but you can't, in my opinion, see them as a long-term solution of something that's always gonna be a part of you. For me, I've learned a lot of lessons from yoga about struggle and about embracing struggle and being happy with who you are and being true to your life's journey and realizing that you know, everyone around you, even if they frustrate you, is still just trying to do the best job that they can. So thinking about these sort of things, talking about these sort of things, addressing, hey, I'm depressed. Maybe it's because I'm with a girlfriend or boyfriend that I should have broken up with a long time ago, or maybe because I don't enjoy the job that I'm in and I need to focus on other ways to find a new job or find a new career path. Or again, that exercise is so important. I'm always talking about the fact that exercise is beyond just the physical and a lot of times it's about the mental and emotional benefits that you get from it. So I think that depression and anxiety are just one of those things where you have to, yes, be grateful for some of the pharmaceutical advances that have come that can help us with our emotions and help us with the physiology of these stresses, but also think about why you're feeling this way in the first place and try to address that holistically as well. Maybe the first step is just thinking about how social media makes you feel stressed 
and anxious and depressed, for example, um, going off that last point. And again, of course, you can't take, you know, any of this without a grain of salt. I'm not any sort of doctor, any sort of expert, but these are just some of the ways that I feel based on the habits that I built for myself and the experiences that I've had and some of the mindfulness journey that I've been on. So last thing here, another thing I've talked quite a bit about in the past is fasting. So I wanted to talk about my fasting protocol, the what's and why's of fasting. So as far as physical benefits, health benefits, they say that fasting can help with cell autophagy, which is essentially the replacing of old cells, the cleaning out of your cells. And I don't know a lot about that. It's definitely an added benefit for me just because the first and foremost, the main benefit is just the mental fortitude and the mental practice, the difficulty of it. I love doing difficult things, as I've mentioned before, because I really think that they help me become sharper and stronger and more clear on who I am and what's important to me. So I mostly fast for the mental benefit um, as far as a 24-hour fast that I do once every month. But other than that, I'm also doing a, I guess you could call it intermittent fasting. Essentially, I just try to stop eating at about six or seven every night and not eat again until about maybe nine o'clock in the morning. I'll eat breakfast after I finish my morning routine. So I guess seven to nine is about, um, what is that, 14 hours? So often a 16 hour feeding window is, sorry, a 16 hour fasting window is what's recommended for intermittent fasting. So that's pretty close to that right there. And I think the big benefit physically and as far as like your food consumption goes, is you are not going to be allowed to eat as much food if you have a time-restricted feeding window. So it's going to decrease things like eating a bunch of dessert or eating a bunch of shit food that you know isn't good for you. So those are some of the main benefits to me. But again, uh, the once-a-month 24-hour fast is about mental toughness to me and self-discipline, whereas the daily intermittent fasting, I'll say that in quotes just because it's such a sort of stigmatized word that comes along with uh, gurus and shit like that like other diets do. Um, the 16 hour fast daily is definitely a really good principle for just regulating your eating habits overall. Um, when you're fasting, I will always allow myself to have coffee or tea, have gum and have any other supplements that I'm used to taking like creatine. And in addition to that, I guess to me, there's one other reason that fasting is beneficial. And that is just that you practice for when, when there's not any good food around, say you're traveling or you're at some sort of, you know, all day event maybe, or something like that, or you're away from your good, healthy food at home. Fasting is a good discipline to practice because you can fast when you would rather not eat than eat these shit foods that are available to you. So that's another way to use it. And the more you're used to it, like all this other stuff I talked about when it comes to exercise, making good choices for your mental health, it all comes down to habituating things. And the more you do them, even though they're difficult, the easier that it gets. I mentioned the habit of cold showering. I don't take cold showers because of the perceived benefits of muscle recovery and stuff like that. I don't think that any sort of recovery happens from cold exposure until you're exposed for up to five, six, seven minutes or more at probably a colder temperature than my shower gets to that I take a cold shower in every morning for about a minute. But for me, it's just that first exercise of the day and doing something hard that I don't want to do, but that I know 
not necessarily that that's good for me, but it's more so just the practice of doing things that are hard that I know are going to be good for me. Like maybe I don't want to eat a plate of vegetables to have my serving the vegetables for the day, or maybe I don't want to go pound a hard workout, or maybe I don't want to read an intense book, or maybe I don't want to do something like have a hard conversation with someone that's have a close relationship with, but practicing these things always makes them easier. And again, I'll mention Stephen Pressfield. He talks about slaying the dragon that is resistance. Once you slay the dragon once, you still have to do it every day, but it gets easier every time because you know that you've done it once and that you can do it again. Hey guys, it's Jake again. I'd like to ask you if you enjoy the podcast to take a quick second and subscribe and rate the podcast. It really helps me out. And in addition, it'd be great if you would screenshot and share to your story. I'd love to reshare and have a conversation about what you thought about the podcast. 